Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got another great guest uh, from the ARC, which is on sci-fi right now, which is an awesome series. It's Reese Ritchie. Reese, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Oh, you know what? I'm so excited because literally uh, for the past like decade or so, you've starred in so many awesome things from Prince of Persia, Hercules, Desert Dancer, 10,000 BC, many, many more. So to have you on the show, it's a complete honour. Uh, and we're going to chat about your awesome new show, uh, which I've seen episode one already. Because unfortunately here in the UK, um, we don't get any press passes or any sort of screeners because they see us as um, a third-rate <laughs> community. I don't know. Um, but you know what? I've managed to see episode one, so it is awesome. So we're going to have a, a, a talk about that. But before we do, you know, the last two years have been quite challenging, to say the least, and I can't wait till we get away from this. But over the last two years, obviously, we've had the pandemic. We've had everything go, going on, which has affected many jobs, many, many lives. So how have you kept positive and moving forward, Reese? Um, well, I, I mean, I have to kind of echo Richard's sentiment, Richard Fleischman's sentiment from the show on this is that I also am racked with a sense of guilt because um, I managed somehow to work throughout the entire pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, I was, so I have to back up a bit. I was working with actually um, Dean Devlin and Jonathan Glasner on their other show, The, the Outpost. Yep. Um, and I remember speaking to my agent at the time and he basically said that none of his actors were working. I was the only actor working. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a reputable London agent and um, it, the whole industry just shut down. It was the weirdest time. Um, but for some reason, um, of course, we had a lot of testing and protocols and all that stuff. But fortunately, we got to keep filming. Um, so we, we, we got sent home a couple of times when we figured, you know, while, while they were figuring things out. But by and large, yeah, we were shooting um, seasons three and four, I think, of The Outpost mm. throughout. So um, so very lucky yeah. then because I've got a lot of friends that are in the theatre and, and for them, the theatre really took took it hard because obviously, you know, it's bad enough that people aren't really going to the theatre as much as they should do because they should do because that is where it all started, um, you know, and, and now obviously with the pandemic and the theatre going back to how it was, it's just glorious to see it really, really is. So when we're talking about acting, what inspired you to get into probably one of the most competitive industries known to man? Because it's not a, sim a simple nine nine to five job. It's not working at your local Tesco's, you know. So, so I've what done got that you too. Into <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I actually began at Tesco's at the age of sixteen, part time. Um, on they call it ambient, which is basically a, a posh word for shelf stacking. Um, really? And I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to Halfords and started building bikes. Um, so that was part-time while I was at school, but to answer your question, um, I, I just remember being in the drama studio and it just felt entirely different to every other subject. I mean, I, I enjoyed school, um, 
but it felt like there was a binary process with every other um, subject. You could, you could, if you spent enough time reading English books, or if you, you know, studied science long enough, you would eventually get to the answer mm-hmm. um, and be correct, for want of a better word. In drama, you, there was no right answer. You, you could, you could do a scene, and then there would be a hundred or a million other ways to play that scene. And, and it, so it's kind of this bottomless pit of curiosity, discovery, um, and it, it's. It, it's three-dimensional you know you, you're you're stood up um just the way you hold your weight the way you walk the way you talk everything it's like playing an instrument everything counts for the audience mm. um so it just it just electrified a part of my brain that i think other subjects didn't um and then i had this fantastic drama teacher called mrs carnwell and i think had it not been for her i might not be um you know an actor today um she I think she saw my frustration because like maybe 50% of the, 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 the children probably saw it as a, as an opportunity to mess around in drama. And <laughs> when I got in drama school, I was like, okay, we've done the other bits, let's work, you know? Um, and I think she identified that quite early on. So she pulled me to one side and said, look, you know, do you want to do a, a play outside of school time? And I, you know, I barely let her finish the sentence. I was like, absolutely. So we did um, Bouncers by John Godber. I don't want to get this wrong. We did The Dumb Waiter by Harold Pinter. We did Dreaming of Road by Jim Cartwright. Mm. Um, I think it's Jim Cartwright. Um, and, and you know, just this this passion for acting, just every play I did, I just needed to do more and more and more. Um, and then to, to, to feel the reaction from the audience, I just got the bug. And then when I got to 15... Um, I remember when the bell used to go at high school for lunch. If you ran fast enough, you'd get the cheeseburgers, and if and if you um, <laughs> and if you were slow, you'd get the hamburgers. And everybody wanted the cheeseburgers. So the bell went, and at the beginning of that class, Mrs. Carmel had said, "I've got one leaflet for the National Youth Theatre, but I only have one." Um, and looking back. I'm pretty sure it was, it was, she didn't look at me once when she said it. And I think it was pointed at me. Um, and she said, so if you're interested, come and see me in my office after the class. And sure enough, the bell went and I started to run down the hallway as was my, me- my muscle memory. <laughs> I just remember it like a completely sliding doors moment. I just remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I remember who was on my left, who was on my right running down the hallway and something just held me back and said, go back and get that, you know, get your cheeseburger tomorrow. And I did. And I, I knocked on her door and it was like that film at the end of that, that scene at the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when he goes in and sees, uh, you know, Gene Wilder. And um, she turned from her desk and gave me this leaflet and I applied and miraculously got in. I think they were letting in 180 people out of 4,000 that year wow. um, for a three week course in London. Um and bless him, the late Ed Wilson, who was the artistic director at the time, he, I did my audition in Holloway Road in London and he turned to me and said, um, how old did you say you were, Reese?" I said, I'm 15, knowing that the entry age was 16. <sighs> um, I said, however, I will, you know, if I, if I were to become a member of the National Youth Theatre, I will turn 16 during my course. And he said, that's good enough then. And, um, yeah, I think a matter of weeks later, I got a letter through the post, and yeah, that it was it was it was denying a cheeseburger that that um, gave me an acting career. 
there you go. So you're never going to look at a cheeseburger the same the no. same again. And the rest rest yeah. is history. I mean, when you decided to to start your career in this industry, did you have a plan in place of what you wanted to achieve? Um, and is there an end goal of what you want to achieve? Uh, that's a good question. I think motive is so important. Whenever, whenever I, in the past, I've gone back to my school or I've spoken to drama students. This is this is the thing that always gets left out. But for me, it's the most important. Is the reason why you're doing it, mm. um, because ninety percent of the reasons why are going to leave you desolate and disappointed. I think um, if it's mm. fame, if it's money, if it's recognition, um, because there are no consistencies in this business. Mm. Um, so. So uh, my my reason why, I think I was quite conscientious and methodical and careful, as careful as you can be saying that you want to become an actor. Um, I thought I'll give it till I'm like 21, 22 and see if I've gotten anywhere. And then if I haven't, I'll reevaluate. So I kind of mm -hmm. wrote myself a five-year check um, or a six-year check and said, go for it. And if not, you're still young and you can you can figure it out. So that's what I did. So I didn't really have a clear plan. Um, and I certainly didn't plan to leave drama school in my second year and end up <laughs> just as a caveman on a mountain in New Zealand with Roland Emmerich. Um, <laughs> that definitely wasn't part of the plan. And then when I got to the, we had the premiere at the Chinese theater in LA and I sat there, watched the film. And at the end, my name and Joel Fry, I don't know if you know Joel Fry, but no. fantastic actor. Um, he's just in the Dalmatians movie, one Dalmatians movie with Emma Stone. Um, he was in plebs, done a bunch of stuff, Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, he was sat beside me and our names came up at the end. And I was suddenly struck by this reality of my only mission was to be in one film. And I've done it. Uh, I wasn't interested in fame. I didn't necessarily want to, you know, make a ton of money from it. I just wanted to be in a movie. I, th I thought that that was such an insurmountable wish mm. that there wasn't any point in thinking beyond that. Um, and I just remember on being on the plane on the way home, just thinking, what now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I sort of, I sort of started again mentally, if that makes sense. After that mm. point, I kind of thought, okay, now you've got to develop your craft. You've got to see if you can work again. <laughs> um, and yeah, that. And, and, you, and you certainly did, because obviously you went on to star in some awesome awesome projects especially with Dwayne Johnson um and 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 you know on Prince Prince of Persia as well which is uh, one of my all-time favorite movies because I can remember playing the game when I was younger so Same. so when so when they brought out the movie I just thought this this was just so well done and the cast you know Sir John Hurt and and you know and 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 yeah. actors like, like like that it must must have been amazing to work side side by side but this industry is quite up and down. I mean, I went into acting when I was younger. I went to university. I did a degree in performing arts. Um, and then I've done a few TV sh uh, uh, you know, shows and a few movies. Um, but I've got to say, it's very... I mean, I've come out of it because I, I didn't have a thick enough skin. So how yeah. do you keep motivated? Because... It is up and down, you know. You're getting your auditions. You'll get the ones that you want, and you may not get the ones that you want as well. I mean, how do you keep mo mo motivated, you know, along those lines? Yeah, I think um, it's it's fear of the other. Um, I'm just not very good at, at doing anything else. Um, I, I, you know, I, to be completely honest, I mean, I'd love to have a better answer for you, but I, I I've I've tried it. 
um and i'm i just yeah i really struggle um with i think the 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 lack of predictability um the spontaneity the ability to if you do work to travel and do all those other things is so alluring mm-hmm. um and the danger of it it just keeps me going i think and the, the motivation changes over the years when you're young it's maybe linked a lot more to your ego of like i want to be in this i want to do that and then as you get older it becomes more about family and wanting to spend more time at home and not be away so much and so um but certainly now my family is i have a son and um you know that's that's all the motivation i need um Mm. so yeah but there have you know there've been there've been one or two tricky years and and you just have to dig in but it's not Mm. easy you know there Mm. have been some very tough um moments where you think is this the last one um Mm. yeah it's it's I mean, would say. you say your approach to your your job as as an actor has changed since having a family? Because you know the security side of things, and you're saying that I I, I am sure that you're going to be good at other things than acting. I, you know what I mean? But I mean, ha, has your approach to it changed because of having a family now? Yes, I think it has. Although I I kind of. I know you can't plan everything, but I, I sort of subconsciously, I think, waited until I was older. I mean, I'm I'm in my mid-30s now, um, and my son is almost two. So I waited quite a while. I didn't, you know, I, I think if, I, if that would have happened during my 20s, it would have been a very different kind of reality, mm. and it might have, I don't want to use the word restricted, but it, it would have certainly have changed what I was able to go and do and when. Um, mm. So I felt like I was ready and also, I think, you know, when you're a jobbing actor, when you're younger, you're kind of living, you're not getting, generally speaking, you're not getting huge, big budget movies. Um, I mean, I was, I was very fortunate, but still, you, you still have to kind of navigate financially as a young person, as it, mm. as we all do. Um, whereas when you're a bit older and you've done a bit more and you might have invested a bit or saved a bit, things sometimes, touch wood, hopefully get a little bit easier. Um mm. So, so yeah, but it's just the, you know, now the first time when my agent calls me about a job, the first question I ask is where is it and for how long? Um, because everything is, has to be seen through the, through the prism of a, being a father. <laughs> and that is, and that is a great arc to uh, my next question, because, you know, how do you choose your roles and what potentially does that role have to have for you to actually go, you know what? Yeah, I want it. There's a kind of an alchemy that, that that happens when you read a script. Sometimes you'll get an audition through and you'll read the script and you think, oh, I just can't hear this person's voice in my head. Mm. Um, and and then other times you'll you'll read it and you can almost smell the room that the the scene was written, you know, written for or written in. So it's 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 a very hard thing to articulate, but um, you just click with certain roles and some roles scare you. I mean, Desert Dancer was a very scary role and I, but I, so I had to do it. It was a true mm. story and I had to do it. Um, so it's, it's, have I done this before? Who is, who's shooting it? Who else is casting it? There are so many different factors, um, that, that, that play into that. Um, so yeah, it just depends on the job really. Mm. You know? I mean, what's, what's been the wildest sort of proposal you've had, um, for a job? And that you've turned around and gone, hell no, that is so not me. Mm, it's a good question. I haven't. I don't. Uh, it's funny because you, if you if you've got the right agent, hopefully a lot of those scripts don't. Um, my agent knows me. I mean, my agent found me at the National Youth Theatre when I was seventeen. Okay. So 
you know, what's that? It's, it's too long to mention. I think it's about 17 years or something like that. We've been working together. Yeah. Anyway, my maths is, see, I'm not very good at maths. <laughs> um, but so, so it's, I think a lot of the things probably that he knows that I wouldn't like, or I'm not right for, they won't probably get to me. Um, mm. There have been one or two over the years, and you are defined a lot of the time by what you say no to. But I, I try not to say no to too much. You know, I, I think sometimes you can be really wrong about a project. Um, you just have to trust your gut and not be too mm. cerebral about it. Um, well, thank goodness you didn't say no to The Ark, because The Ark is an awesome show, and we've already is. had, yeah, we've already had um, episode one that is getting us all asking questions it really is so for those under all those rocks that haven't seen it yet if you could give us like a quick rundown of what the show is about and whom you play okay so it's set approximately 100 years in the future we're on a spaceship on our way to proxima b um uh earth is we don't really know the state of earth but we can assume it's probably not too good um we've been asleep cryogenically asleep for three years i think two or three years and we're woken up suddenly before schedule um by something that has hit the ship or has affected the ship and all of the commanding officers have been killed and the highest ranking officers are three lowly lieutenants um played by myself uh, i play lieutenant spencer lane richard fleishman who you've spoken to plays uh, lieutenant james bryce and garnet played by christy burke and you have this kind of from the very first frame of the first episode, it's go, go, go. Um, things are going wrong. We're running out of oxygen. Everything's going, you know, to hell in a handbasket. And um, within that, you have this kind of microcosm of dis disagreement between the three of us. Of like, which one of us is in charge? Who's the boss? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's it's such a great cast, this. I mean, we've got such a group of talented um, actors. It's just, mm. just, it just made my job so much easier. I mean, I've, I've I've got to say, in episode one, the friction is unbelievable. It really is, and I've got to say, this show has got like an era of like a retro Star Trek, and even the title music I think is awesome for, yeah. for for the show. And we mentioned earlier around choosing, uh, you know, certain roles. So, what attracted you, you know, to this show when it got presented to you? Because I think it may have something to do with Dean um, and um, the role of Lieutenant Spencer Lane. So, what attract, attract, yeah. attracted you to him? So I, I had a I had a bit of a different experience to everybody else because I'd I'd spent the best part of two or three years working with uh, Dean and Jonathan, either directly or indirectly. I mean, Jonathan Glasner um, directed the first episode I was in of of the art uh, of the outpost. Um, so I knew of them, but I got sent the audition like anybody else did. Um, and of course, you know, the email comes through and you look at the names. You're like, okay. A lot of people would have thought I would have felt less pressure because I knew them, mm. but actually I feel felt more because they they had seen me on set for you know the last two or three years and they were asking me to create and show them something different, um, and I, I looked more or less the same as I had in the in the outpost. I had long hair, um, so i really i really got to work on it and it became clear that that lieutenant spencer lane is of the mind that this it's survival of the fittest and he's quite pragmatic and a little bit cutting at times a little bit harsh um quite myopic in some ways but what i liked about him was that you can kind of see where he's coming from 
Um, mm. uh, you know, if if you're in a situation like that, heaven forbid, where where it's life or death, I think that there is utility, some utility at least, in in being quite emotionless and quite direct about what the solution is, because you, one could argue that you'll get stuff done, mm. and and also you'll be prepared to make the difficult situation uh, decisions that no one else will be able to in a difficult situation. Um, so there was a glint in him of kind of. I kind of see where this is. This guy's coming from, but I can also understand why people might dislike him. Yeah, and I kind of had a hunch that they didn't want him to be fully disliked. So it's a challenge that you've got to you've got to walk this tightrope of you've got to push this guy to the edge and then perhaps bring him back. Mm. Um, but we'll see whether or not that's the case throughout but the season. I have got to say I am Team Lane uh, because you're right. Yes. I mean. In, yeah. in 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 an emergency, you want to be with the calm person. And yeah, if he's a bit obnoxious, uh, and you know, but he gets stuff done. That is that is the key. And obviously, Chris Christie's character and Richards, they are hiding a lot of things. Um, you know, it's obviously apparent that they're not all what they're about. So uh, we've got that to look and, forward to. And Lane is a bit of a you know, uh, a, a truffle sniffer. He, he's kind of got a nose for truth, I think. Mm. And some of the things that he starts to pick up on quite early on um, may or may not come to fruition as being true. Um, so that's another interesting thing about him is that it would be easy to write him off as, you know, a cantankerous kind of difficult um, black and white kind of character. But I, there's, that, that's what interested me about him is that he's mm. got, he has actually got a little bit of a nose for when something's not quite right. Um, and we'll see whether or not he's, you know, he's correct. I mean, for those who are wondering who uh, Dean Devlin and Jonathan Glass Glasner is, obviously Dean is 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 behind the the Independence Day movies, uh, Godzilla, loads of movies, and obviously Jonathan Glasner uh, from SG uh, One Stargate. Um, and I've got to say, there is a scene. Oh, those two in... small projects <laughs> that nobody's yeah, ever heard of. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I've got to say, in episode one, I did get a the feels of Independence Day with Garnett's speech. Um, literally, 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 I felt like there was a Bill Pullman moment just there, yeah. you know, uh, which I thought was fan fa fantastic. And I heard in a previous interview that you did that that Dean and Jonathan gave you all backstories that you had to hide from, from each other. Um, you know, is this normal in projects? And did you have to, after a few Ribenas, spill the beans with all your castmates? Well, on the topic of Ribena, there we go. It's actually actually a Vimto, but um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we we're all we're all living together. Well, you know, we're living within close proximity of each other for four and a half months. We're socialising together. We're eating together, um, and it, it was really funny to see how everybody kind of dealt with having these secrets, um, as it were. Um, but also, having the secret is one thing. We weren't given the whole season from day one. We don't know what's oh, going right. to happen. So you're given maybe one or two episodes at a time just so that you have enough time to learn it. Um, and sometimes some of the road was being laid as you as you walked on it as well. So it's it, we, it was interesting, everyone having a secret, but we still didn't know how they were going to be revealed, expressed, how much they would might affect our characters or other characters around us. Um so we kind of we knew stuff, but there was a lot we didn't know, which which gave us all kind of a universal feeling of angst um, during the whole shoot, you know. 
I mean, was there a so, period, period in time throughout that process where you got to a point and you all stood at each other and pointed and go and went, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because obviously you're hiding yeah, everything th- from each other. I think other. that the trick was is just to pick up the bill whenever we went for, for, for dinner <laughs> and then on the way home try and kind of prize um, <laughs> pieces, morsels of information out of one another. Uh, I just tried to ply Richard with tequila and, um, you know, tried to get his secret out as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Did he crack? That was my technique. Uh, no comment. <laughs> oh, what? No, so- no, he, he was, he, no, he did. He's a, he's a consummate professional. <laughs> so this is your first time in space, apparently. Um, you know, how was it? Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's, it's weird because I feel like I, listening to other actors, I feel like a lot of the things that I did early on in my career, it's almost, it was almost like kind of topsy turvy the way it was done because I was thrust in front of green screens from quite early on. Mm. So all I really knew, I mean, don't get me wrong, we were on locations for 10,000 BC and stuff, but there were still massive woolly mammoths that were cut out of green screen walking beside me. Mm. And I had Roland saying, okay, this is what's happening. The, the mammoth stumbles over, you, you move out of the way. So the green screen part, I, I was used to looking out of the window of the bridge and seeing just green. Um, but what was fantastic about this and quite unusual was that we had a, it was going to sound very, um, it's not going to sound very glamorous at all to your to your listeners, but we had a roof on the set. <laughs> Usually you don't have a roof. So, so you're always aware of the studio and the lights above you. But the way they lit this show and the way they designed the stages, um, you could walk through so many meters of corridor um, and not see anyone or see any cameras or anything like that. You know, between between scenes, you could take a walk around the ship. And it was very easy. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I had someone trying to... Uh, are we still there? Yeah. Um, it was very easy to forget that it was make-believe because, mm. you know, a walk from the bridge to the med bay to the, the, the canteen... Um, it was just, it was just fantastic. It was, it was really immersive. Um, mm. The length to which they went in order to build this set. And obviously we're talking about the suits next because, um, I mean, I know that it can be quite difficult at times to act and to say your lines, uh, normally, you know, when you're in suits, but these suits, I mean, these, the, these helmets are awesome. What was there that is. like and how difficult was it? Yeah, it was quite funny because we were like, oh, these are super cool. And then you put them on and it's just, you just can't hear anything. Um, and then one day I was stood there and uh, they I felt something hot on the top of my head. Mm. I thought, yeah, you're just imagining that. It must just be getting warm in this helmet. But I was like, there's a really concentrated bit of heat on the top of my head. And then it started to kind of burn a bit. And I thought, oh, what on earth? And then I thought about it. I was like, that's, that's the mic pack. They've put the mic pack, <laughs> the radio mic in in the top and it sat on my head and just, just because there's no ventilation in there, it just mm. got hotter and hotter and hotter. Oh. And Matsky, who's a fantastic uh, sound technician who I'd worked with on the outposts, I just called him over and just sort of quietly said, Matsky, where's the mic pack? You know, cause <laughs> usually you have it on your back or your, on your mm. hip, on your ankle. And he looked at me and he's, is it hot? And I was like, Uh-oh. yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was red hot. So we took that out. So there were so many hurdles we had to negotiate with these suits but the actual physical suits themselves like some of the cast were, oh this is really uncomfortable it's hard to go to the bathroom i've spent a lot of my career wearing togas with swords and shields and armor <laughs> and everything you can think of you know mm-hmm. so this for me was like a onesie i was like i can just zip it and 
you, you, yeah. you're done. You know, as we say in the industry, ten one. You know, you're off to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and and they they could have been worse. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? They look awesome though. I think the design and the suits, I just think are just fantastic. They really really are. <clears throat> so from the uh, teaser trailer after episode one that we got, it certainly gets us ready for the rest of the se- season and what to look forward to. But in in your own words, I mean, what can the viewers expect to experience? Uh, from the rest of the season with that the main, anything. yeah I think the main the core strength of this show and what Jonathan Glasser and, and Dean Devlin do so brilliantly is they are so um, character centric that they're, they're so focused on developing the nuances that we all have and representing them on the screen and just kind of you know bringing up the contrast on those, those traits um, so I think you'll probably You'll come on board for the ship and the spectacle, and I. My hope is that audiences will stay for the the characters. Um, I've had the pleasure of seeing the first six episodes now. When Richard and I were in LA promoting it, they were kind enough um, at Electric to screen a couple of episodes for us, and it's just you just find yourself even knowing kind of what happens, you find yourself getting drawn into the characters. Mm. Um, got such a vibrant, eclectic, skilled cast that. I think if 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 that wasn't the case, I think that eventually, um, as Dean has said, the the premise wears off. You know, mm. you get used to the premise and the situation. Um, people people talk about character and they care about character, um, and they've made sure that that is what this show is hinged on. Mm. I mean, it's definitely character fo- for focus. I mean, episode one, everything was going on, and you know, we 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 got treated to a lot of the characters and a bit about what they're about. I mean, uh, fingers crossed, I've got Stacey Reed uh, coming coming on on onto the show as well. Stacey's uh, amazing, yeah, because her character is just awesome. It really, really is. But let's talk Christy Burke. Okay, so uh, she was kind. Burke. Yeah, she was kind they enough. Broke, to, they broke the mold. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind enough to uh, give me a bit of insight around her obsession with ice cream, uh, but shots were fired. Uh, Reese, shots were fired. Oh, I'm sure. So, I mean, we are talking so, about Christy Burke. <laughs> yes, and she told me, and I know that the media can exaggerate things and make things up. So I want to get it from the horse's mouth. Um, she told me about an incident where you may or may not have farted in her face i have no recollection of that whatsoever Um, do you know i i I think i think being on the the ship it was weird i read some articles on this actually when you spend a lot of time in the same set um it can lead to amnesia hallucinations um it's a claim that she Mm. made um you know it's it's an it's an outlandish claim very wild Mm. one Mm. but i'm sure she was probably just having a quite a long day was quite bored on set and and, and it could be a result of an, o- an o- overdose of ice cream. Do you know what I mean? All that sugar. Well, this is it. I mean, I, I was, yeah. I would see her from my hotel window. You know, I see her coming back with just piles of this um, ice cream and it, it does, you know, it, it can lead to hallucinations. Yeah. Really? So we need mm-hmm. to get some help for Christy with the Ice Cream Anonymous. Um, I don't know if there's an organisation out there that can reach out to her on social media. Yeah. I mean, um, it could have been some feedback on the microphones. Um, <laughs> you know, there are, there are probably 150 people on set. So any one of those could have slipped or something on, you know, the rubber on their shoes could have made a weird sound. We'll never know. Um, well, you know what? Know. We have got that sorted out. Uh, we've got your side of things, so it's sure. it's 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 down to the viewers and and who mm. who they believe. Christy, I think she was reta- re- was she referring to a to a 
did she describe um because i know that you mentioned it something does ring a bell was i think she was crawling under a desk um on set in the bridge and i was sat next to her on a leather chair um <laughs> Now, for me, the focal point of that story is why would you crawl under a desk? Very suspicious. Um, mm. So I think we need to launch an inquest there. But if, if I did move on the leather, maybe that produced a sound that she mistook yeah. for a... I mean, then chance. again, I mean, you've got lovely pictures like these. So I think, Reese, you may have been overdosing on the ice cream as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I have a penchant uh, for ice cream. I will admit that. Um, yeah, but I, I was eating different flavours to Christy. So we'll, we'll just we'll have to do a full-blown so investigation funny. on this one. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, and the next quest question, who do you think killed Jack? <laughs> i mean how to lose your job in one swift answer exactly right? no um, i'm only joking you know i you know i can't answer that <laughs> do you know what on on social media of course you got i think christy zero. burke's fart killed jasper <laughs> <laughs> oh dear silent but deadly yeah. um yeah. but no <laughs> just a few more questions left so you've worked in literally in so many great projects with so many great names you know who has been the favorite that you've gotten the most out of as an actor acting opposite you just uh, the best thing about this business is the people and you just you just learn from everybody if if you you know that's the idea is you just soak up things from everyone I, I, there are a couple of things that spring to mind i mean when i when i was doing the lovely bones um i was i was stood uh in in a in a mall they addressed a mall for the 1970s and i was stood in a mall um and i was really excited about that scene because everyone in the cast was in it mm. you know we had mark Wahlberg, susan sarandon rachel vice and and stanley tucci and peter jackson at the monitor and <laughs> saoirse ronan who had just been nominated for the oscar for atonement and it was just the most surreal thing, you know. Um, and you, you just, I just remember looking around, just thinking I can learn from literally everybody on this set. And I think you have to have that open mind when you're working. Um, there, there was there was a time when, oh, I'm going to name drop here shamelessly, but I was, I was at dinner with Ben Kingsley oh, and yeah. I was auditioning for something and there was a line in this scene that was just, it just felt like a really terrible line. Um, and hopefully you won't mind me telling this story. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's a regular listener of your podcast. Um, <laughs> Maybe. But, but, but um, I, I asked him, um, you know, I was, I was basically entertain. I was a young actor and I was entertaining the prospect of, of maybe speaking to somebody about tweaking this line, slightly changing the line. And he said, can I look at it? And I showed it to him and he said, yeah, it is a terrible line. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, he's now going to, he's going to fix this for me. And he said, but maybe it's not the line that has to change. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you've just acknowledged that it's like a tricky one to get your head around and it doesn't necessarily make perfect sense. Um, but in that moment, he taught me so much, so much because not everything is always going to be as you want it to be on the page. Mm. Um, in fact, very rarely is everything going to fit together. I mean, they have so many different drafts of so many different episodes in any show that you do um, that they call, there's a name for it, draft drift. Things get missed. Um, things get raised in earlier episodes that don't get resolved. Um, so you're, if you're doing your homework, you're always going to come up, come up against these things as an actor and you, they're going to bother you. Um, but you just have to have this kind of, 
he he taught me to have an attitude of it doesn't matter if the words aren't perfect. There's a million different ways to say a line. There's a hundred different ways to put a nuance on something or a look mm. or a something. Um, so, you know, I, I learned from him. I mean, spending so much time with John Hurt and Ian McShane on Hercules, just sitting in the tent with them for six months was just, it was far too much to mention. <laughs> um, they just taught me so much. They were so mm. generous and kind with their time. Um, you just, yeah. And then you you might you might learn something from someone who's just stepped foot on set about their freedom, their carefree, maybe some of their naivety <laughs> gives rise yeah. to gives rise to some brilliance that you that you had maybe lost a little bit of. Mm. Um, so I, I try and learn from everyone, and and I have to add maintaining friendships, which doesn't happen all the time after a job, is the greatest gift. I mean, Axel Henny and I from Hercules are still very good friends. Richard and I, uh, you know, forever bonded. Um, maybe, maybe, <laughs> much to his disappointment, but he's stuck with me. Um, and and you know, Christy and I spend a lot of time together. It's it's just it's just a gift to be able to walk away from jobs and and retain. Um, yeah. So, it's a very long winded way of saying that these these people also end up teaching you a lot more in life as well. You you gain a lot from sort of being around their brilliance and uh, getting to observe how they conduct themselves and stuff. So, so, so basically Ben Kingsley is your Yoda um, and he is, he is the te te Absolutely. teacher of all. But yeah, it must, must be so fast fascinating because, you know, all actors aren't the same and, and you've worked with so, so, so many great names um, and you will be for many years, um, you know, being great yourself and 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 star, starring in men, men, many more things i mean you've got that series coming on itv um that, yeah that, that which i can finally about. discuss <laughs> <laughs> yeah platform seven I, I remember being up in the office saying can we talk about this yet they're like nope <laughs> it's not been announced um but that's that's something again I, I'm, I'm i can't even tell you what the character is i guess but but anyway it's a very different character for me mm. and i had to do a lot of research into a specific condition or yeah i have to be very vague here but but anyway it was it was a real journey for me to 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 to, to sort of learn about that area of things play that character so I'm, I'm excited for people to see it excellent i mean um you know with all these shows that you've been on and and mo movies have you liberated any props or cost costume pieces or mementos from 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 the sets i'll be back Oh, go on then, Arnold. <laughs> so, okay. Is that the first time one of your guests has uh, left the interview? No, Christy. Um, uh, she went to get a badge oh, she did. from the, the Ark, yeah. She probably went away to fart, I reckon. That's probably the Probably, truth. yeah. I did, um, did hear a so, little. Yeah. <laughs> so this this isn't a prop, but um, this was a... We all got a wooden model made of our characters in Hercules... Like it's all one piece of wood, which is, which is pretty awesome. cool. That's me with a me with a cape. Um, but this um, is the blade that I I used in um, Hercules, That's and it awesome. still has the uh, the flecks of dried prop blood on it. <laughs> um, so that's 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 super cool. I wore that. It's the, it's really heavy, um, solid. It. they 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 kept offering me the um the plastic ones or the rubber ones and i was like no i want the real one <laughs> um and then yeah i have some great gifts as well i have a i have a gold leafed um 
full works of Shakespeare signed by Peter Jackson and all of the team there. And um, I do have a bunch of stuff actually that I've, a lot of it I've just put in a box and it's in a corner of a loft somewhere. Um, oh wow! I, I don't know, like to try and put it all <clears throat> put it all on the walls, you know. Come into my lovely room of of <laughs> ego. That, you, you see, I I I collect film and TV props and cost co- costume pieces. The sponsors of my show is Prop Store, and they've got offices in LA and in London. And they would go crazy at the thought of you having boxes of stuff. They'd be like, "What? What? What?" Um, yeah. So if you ever want a part in the future. You know who's who 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 to come to, um, because I think that we need to keep these as as mementos. But for yourself, it's a reminder of your journey, and something that you can hand down to your little one eventually. Precisely. I mean, you get paid, obviously. You know, they look after us when we're working, but the the money comes and goes. It is the memories that you keep, and uh, mm. and just having the odd prop, like I have. I think I have the rings and my necklace from Prince of Persia just over there somewhere. I've got a couple of bits on top of my piano. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the rest of it, I just got, yeah, I've got so much, I've got so many bits and bobs. Um, and you know, if you, if you build a relationship with the props masters, a lot of the time they have like duplicates. So they just, they just say, you know, look, take that. Don't tell anybody. And then I come on podcasts and tell the whole world that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pillaging pillaging film sets everywhere. (laughs) But but you're the caretaker. You haven't stolen it. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, as I always say. But one of my last questions that I always ask all all my guests is, if your life was a movie, Reese, what title would it have? Yeah, I'm such an idiot because I, I saw you ask Richard this question and I, th- I thought to myself at the time, I should come up with an answer for that and I didn't. I went and made myself a Vimto. Um, <laughs> if my life was a movie, wow. I'm... Ah, Invictus is taken, isn't it? Uh, Matt Damon already stole that one. Um, I'm going to say never give up. Yeah, never give up. Never give up on Uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, (laughs) because on Disney Plus. Yeah, Um, yeah, because that you know there have been some moments, as I'm sure we've all encountered, where you think, ah, this is it, you know, and you get knocked down, and or something gets cancelled, or you're in a show that you know I was in a show that was that ended up getting cancelled, and it was a straight to series thing, and and Mm. you know politics at the studio, and suddenly it was gone. And those they, those things can hit you pretty hard, especially if you're young and, and you're, you know, everything you've ever dreamed of is about to happen and then it gets dashed away. And I think, mm. yeah. And, and then personally, there are things that happen and you just you just never, 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 never give in, <laughs> as the late Mitchell said. Exactly. And Rocky Balboa says, said it correct. It's not how hard you can get it. Get it up. Yeah. I've got them that- all. <laughs> That is that is literally my life as well. But do we hear any 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 stirrings of season two yet? I mean, is it too early to talk about season two arc? I think because the only the first episode has been released, it's. Um, I think they're going to wait and see, you know, how the next few episodes do, and then hopefully we'll hear something. I mean, I really hope we go back. Um, I'd love to play Lane again, but I just, I just, we just had such a ball in Serbia. We had so much fun. Mm. Um, and I'd already been there for like two or three years and I realized I hadn't, hadn't really explored it to its fullest. You know, I'd been to most places, but, um, Richard was like, come on, we're going out, we're getting bikes. So we bought bikes and we, we're going out the river and the, the lake and it was, we, we water skied. It was just the best summer. Um, so I hope we go back for more of that. 
Mm. Um, and also now we know the show, we know the characters. So there's going to be a lot of that kind of teething period that doesn't have to happen again. Um, yeah. we get, well, fingers you know, crossed. Fingers crossed because too many shows are being cancelled way too early. And I've just read that Yellowstone is being being finished after this the rest of this oh, season really? uh, because Kevin Costner is doing something else. Um, and I've just literally got into that series and I've binged all five seasons of Yellowstone and I now want to be a cowboy. So the show that I was referring to earlier that ended up getting cancelled, um, a wonderful actress called Kelsey Chow was in that with me. And... Um, she's in Yellowstone and mm. uh, it's, it's, it's very high up on my list um, of things to watch. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, I know there's like an, uh, there's an 1883 <gasps> and a, yeah. and a 1927 or something like that. Yeah. 1923. Do you watch them Are you supposed to watch Yellowstone first? Cause I know so, they happen. So literally because I've never watched Yellowstone, I actually watched 1883 first. And okay. then I started to watch 1923, and then I thought, do you know what? I'm going to start watching, because again, I've got kids myself, small small, small girls, and, and trying to get the time to watch things. So so with your little one being two, take advantage of it now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I watched it 1883, 1923, but it doesn't really matter, to be fair. No, but I've got, okay. to, I've got to say, 1883. 883 is astonishing i mean the okay. story in that and i didn't realize the the, the writer uh taylor Sher Sher sheridan because i always thought that yellowstone had a feel of sons of anarchy but with cowboys and then i realized that the guy that wrote yellowstone was the cop in sons of anarchy and it was just really odd but uh amazing show just so well done okay. in 1923 yeah, they're just, all on my list because everybody yeah. keeps the, the thing is recently is you just get so overwhelmed with recommendations mm. that you end up not watching any of it because you just think where do i start you know um it, happy valley at the moment is a huge i haven't watched any of it we, we started it last night um but everybody's raving about that so every time i go to watch one thing someone says you got to watch this other thing <laughs> so i just need to start somewhere basically and not be so and, overwhelmed by the, the sheer amount of work I mean, years ago, I can remember being, being a kid. I mean, I'm 43, so I can remember as having three TV channels, well, four, and then all, all of a sudden Channel 5 came and everything yeah, went crazy. And now it's like yeah. literally there's so much content out there. It's sort of a, it's a competition to get, you know, your show out there and actually Absolutely. see. And, um, you know, I think there's there's quite a few gems that are forgotten that, that don't get yeah. seen. Um, so I try and do my best to try and hi hi highlight those. But The Ark um, is streaming every single Wednesday, no, showing every single Wednesday at 10 o'clock on Sci-Fi and then streaming the next next day on Peacock, uh, yep. which which I think is awesome. I cannot wait for episode two. But Reese, you've been a great guest. It's been an absolute honour. Uh, and I wish you all the best uh, with the little one, with the family and the career. Um, and I look forward to uh, possibly speaking to you again in the future for future projects. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Um, you're a great guy and good luck with the podcast. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll talk again in the future. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super, the podcast and on Twitter at BeMoreSuper. Keep safe and stay super.